Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another new episode of the What the Niche podcast with me, your ever-loving host, Andrew Morris. Before we dive right in, I have a couple quick things to address. Please head over to the store at whatthenitch.net because I got a brand new order of hats available for sale. Also, you can find shirts, stickers, buttons, and magnets for sale as well. As always, I hope all of my listeners are continuing to share the podcast with their friends and family. If you haven't started to follow the podcast on either Facebook or Instagram, please look it up at What the Niche Podcast on the gram and at What the Niche Podcast on Facebook as well. This month has been an absolute incredible ride for the podcast, and I'd like to thank all of my amazing listeners for your continued support, which has presented me with these amazing opportunities over the last few weeks. And now, it's on to this week's episode. In this week's episode, I will be presenting a series of conversations that will unfold over a couple of episodes to close out the month of October. Today, we will begin diving into the world of women in horror. You know, I don't think that that women have been portrayed worse in horror than they have in other movies. Women have always been huge horror fans. Like in the era of the gothic novel, most of the people buying those books were women. Women would go to court cases and sit and watch all the trials. And so they're obsessed with like true crime and violence and horror and all kinds. It's always been like that. Frankenstein is written by a woman, you know? So it's like, there's there's a huge history of like women's relationship with horror. And also for me, like, some of the strongest like female protagonists that I saw growing up were people like Nancy in A Nightmare on Elm Street. So it was, you know, in a weird way, it was empowering. That's why it was so strange to me that people like, you know, my mom, for instance, just saw it as, as violent or sexist because it, in a way, like the women were the heroes, you know. But I think in the 80s, it seemed like no women liked it. But I think it was actually just that women were sort of afraid to like it because they felt like it was a betrayal of feminism in some way. As a woman, physically, you always feel somewhat under threat. You know, if you're in a room full of men, you are less physically powerful. But fear, I think, is why a lot of women do like horror, because fear is something that's part of your life. And it allows you just a, 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 a place to explore those, those threats. There are a lot of women that are uh, sexual abuse survivors that don't get closure in their real life. That's something people don't realize about horror movies. There are people that are in abusive situations. There are people who have been attacked in violent ways. And we don't have a justice system, and we don't live in a world where you always get it taken care of the way it does. But films are a fantasy for that reason, too. It can heal you. You know, the one thing that makes me very happy is, you know, we have you know, all the kids are sending around these animated gifts these days. I sound so old. <laughs> like, I keep seeing the, this one where, from Jennifer's body where she's flicking the lighter and holding her tongue into it. And I think people love that image. It's this idea of just being, like, hot and invincible. The notion of the female as monstrous in itself ha- has, has been a central tenet of, of horror from some of its earliest expressions, you know? And that's what remains profoundly meaningful to me about horror, is it's one of the few genres that's had the guts to say, as a culture, we are terrified 
of women and girls. We are terrified of the power they have. A heart pounds in rhythm to the pulsating screeches of a chainsaw. Feet pound across the dirt as the maniac maneuvers the terrain with ease. The beautiful young final girl eludes the grasp of the terrifying marauder of the night, leaving the audience to wonder, what would the realm of the horrific be without these strong females? Those who never stop running, those who never give up, despite watching all their friends meet their demises in the most heinous of ways. Those heroines of fright waiting in the shadows for just the right moment to bury the hatchet, slash the machete, or pull the trigger. Their presumed weakness, their greatest strength. In the monster's complacency and doubt, lies their victory cunning and tenacious the female is simultaneously the desire of the hero and the villain bewitching all of us with every scream and every tear audiences bending to every whim as helpless passengers to these boundless conquerors of fright who overcome the insurmountable who nurture those petrified with fear, who navigate those terrors with delightful uncertainty. The ladies of the night often bear the burden of terror and carry our hopes all the same. And on behalf of horror fans everywhere, ladies, we thank you. That brings me to my guest this week. I have multiple guests and each will be introduced in the order they appear on the episode. The first of the four awesome ladies I had the absolute delight of speaking with was Holly Chrysler. She is an avid horror enthusiast, actress, and makeup artist. During our conversation, we discussed the roles women play in the world of horror and how one of her greatest accomplishments was scaring the literal piss out of a young man as a haunt worker. I hope you enjoy our chat. All right. Hi, my name is Holly Chrysler. Uh, avid lifetime horror fan, grew up as a kid in the 70s watching the classics from American International and Hammer, Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Basil Rathbone, uh, Boris Karloff. Um, I've always been attracted to spooky. I didn't want to live with the Brady Bunch. I wanted to live with the Munsters and the Adams Family because I thought they were way cooler. You are not wrong. And always <laughs> did crazy costumes. Uh, my costumes got more elaborate every Halloween. And finally, in 1994, I landed my first acting job with a local haunted house. And I have been doing it nonstop ever since. Still doing it. 
and kind of got into doing makeup by accident. And my first few years, I was terrible. Oh my goodness. I was awful. I had no clue what I was doing. I was just winging it. And I was like a clumsy five-year-old with an airbrush. I mean, it was a mess. Got to crawl before you walk. You, you have to. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to make a lot of mistakes before you learn how to do stuff right. So I'm still working in the haunt business, still doing makeup, and I'm continuing to learn. And I'm working on improving every time I do a new face. Right on. Uh, it, what was the, the haunted house that you started at? I started out at the Haunted Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was there for six years. And uh, they got sold and the new owner, things were just different. It wasn't the same. So I left and then a friend introduced me to a different haunt across the river. It's the uh, Culbertson Mansion in New Albany. And I started there in 2001 and I'm still there. So this is my 20th year there. <laughs> it oh, makes wow. me feel old. Wow. I realize I've been doing the haunt business for more than half my life. Hey, that's a good way to live. Yeah. Oh, you it's know? fun. Definitely fun. Do something that you love and you don't work a day in your life. Isn't that what they say? No. <laughs> it's still work, Absolutely. right? Well, I mean, the, the haunt that I'm at now is all volunteer. I'm not getting oh. paid to do this, but oh. I love doing it. It's wow. a it's a labor of love. Yeah. Much like this podcast. I pay to do this podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it costs me money to host it. costs money for this microphone and the light in my face right now. So it's oh, like, wow, I get it. Um, but yeah, I love Culper Mansion. I've been there for the haunts. Um, they've done some cool stuff. Uh, they used to have this uh, this portion of the, the the haunt that you would go down a slide, and they yep. would put this bright light in your face, and it was very disorienting. And then, yeah. of course, as soon as you got to the bottom of the slide and you stood up, there's somebody right in your face. Yeah. So effective. They didn't scream. They didn't mm -hmm. say anything. They were just there. Like when my vision started to come back, they're there. And I'm like, oh, you mother. <laughs> <laughs> Got me so good. I was like, this is, that was so simple, but brilliant, yeah. you know, because, you know, I don't really scare, but I startle, you know, mm -hmm. because I've been to so many haunts over the years. And I, I love that you brought up the haunted hotel. Um, I don't know if you remember, there's a local organization in Louisville for my people outside of Louisville. Uh, they do the dare thing, uh, the yes. dare to keep kids off drugs. And mm -hmm. uh, every week we would have a dare thing at school. And one of the things that they would do is if uh, you were there in attendance, you get a free ticket to go to the haunted hotel. Mm -hmm. So like my brother and I, like we were broke. My, when we came from a poor family <laughs> and we lived all of a mile from haunted hotel. So we got oh, those okay. free tickets and we'd walk to haunted hotel every week. So like we knew the chainsaw guys from the maze, um, mm -hmm. the guy that ran the place used to always have the screw in his head. Yeah, every that year. was, that was Greg Defada and okay. Greg was, he was great. He's one of the best bosses I've ever had and he loved his crew. We adored him and, uh, he's back in California. There's a haunted hotel in San Diego and that's where he was originally from. So he went back and I believe he is still involved with that one. But yeah, he put his little uh, Frankenstein bolts through his head or through his neck every night. <laughs> yeah, my brother and I like, you know, uh, man, I think we were like 10 and 11 at the time. Uh -huh. 
And, uh, you know, we were there every, every week, every Wednesday night was the, the nights they would give us the tickets. And, mm-hmm. uh, cause it was a slower night, right? It's in the middle of the yeah. week and he would sit outside and he would talk to us like, you know, cause he would say, you guys back again, you troublemakers, you guys are scarier than any of these dudes in here. And uh, he would cut up with us and it, that memory stuck, you know, yeah. and he gave me that one of those many positive experiences that I had that made me love the genre and the people in the genre even mm-hmm. more. You know, because yeah. I was like, look, look how warm and uh, welcoming he is. And just, you know, and I, I loved the makeup effects because he did a great mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Uh, it looks so real. You know, he's like, touch it, touch it. It's like, a real <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, my God, it's so cool, man. And uh, those experiences, you just can't you can't buy that. Yeah, I tell you, hot people are the best people. I go to a lot of horror conventions and, you know, People outside of the haunt genre, people who don't get it or they're not really big fans, they may think we're weirdos, but we are like the biggest, warmest, most cuddliest monster family you will ever encounter. I love haunt people. I love horror fans. We're just a special breed, but it's it, they're, they're some wrong. of the greatest friends I've ever had. They're not wrong. We are weird. Yeah. Yeah, but but a weird in a good way, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like we're. I think it's more interesting than weird. Like, I love hearing all the stories and the different, you know, things that bring the people together. I'd spoken with uh, Travis Bowling, who uh, runs American Horrorplex, and I'm, I know the haunt haunt business is a tight knit family in general. And uh, yeah. he's he's just seems to be Travis adored is by adorable. Everybody. I just love yeah. him. He's one of the nicest people you ever meet. Yeah, and I'll keep name dropping him. You'll probably hear it 15 more times in this interview. Get over it. He's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, But yeah, it was just crazy to meet him. And I even told his husband, Matt, you know, I was like, honestly, man, I would have made the assumption that there would never be a gay couple running a haunted house. Yeah. You know, I was astounded by that. I was like, that is phenomenal. That's so yeah. cool. You know, because I think that that just flips that shit on its head. You're like, yeah, you thought you knew what, who these people were, but you ain't got a clue. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, you know, there's an organization that a lot of us are members of called haunters against hate. And it's because of Travis and Matt that we kind of got the whole thing started. It was a, a review group who said some really homophobic things <sighs> on social media and we all just kind of banded together. And now there's this organization and it's like, I can't tell you how many haunts are involved with that organization. And, you know, haunters are not just a bunch of redneck guys yelling boo and chasing you with a chainsaw. I mean, we've got people who are grandparents and we've got lawyers and we've got artists and teachers and high school kids it's such a broad spectrum of people that's a, a very wrong assumption to think oh it's just like you know these low lives that just want to scare you no there we got everybody in the haunt community and it's that's a beautiful thing about it you know because um i heard somewhere it was on there's been several documentaries about haunts and things of that nature and it said in the dark we're all the same mm-hmm. and i was like damn Boy, that's good. I was like, that's so <laughs> profound. Like, you know, and everybody scares. We yeah. all scared the same, you know, because we're people and there's always something that scares somebody, that big, tough dude walking through. And it could just be something so innocuous. And, they yeah. them. and you're like, why did, why was that the thing that scared him? You know, and that's, that's the fun of it, you know, and that brings me, I'm really curious and anxious uh, to hear, uh, knowing that you work in this industry 
uh, as a female. Uh, I'm curious to know, like, what assumptions, what people, what things, what do people get wrong about you that they might assume not knowing you? Well, it's weird. I've watched the business change. When I first got in it back in the 90s, I was one of two females working at my haunt. And the rest were, it was a sausage party. It was dominated by guys. <laughs> and over the years, more and more women are getting involved in the haunt business. And now the haunt that I'm with invo- I'm involved with now, it's probably 60% women, 40% men. Uh, in fact, the uh, person who's in charge of the haunt is a gal. I was in charge of it for a while, and I decided to step down because it's it's an overwhelming job to be in charge of an entire haunt. And now we got another gal who's running it. She's got two of her girlfriends helping her out. And I, I think an assumption that people might have about women in, in the haunt business or in horror in general is that they're wimpy that there are former porn stars who just want to break into a movie. And if I show my boobs then I'll get in this movie. No, it's not like that. I mean, the, the women who are in the haunt business, they're tough. Um, we put up with a lot of crap from obnoxious customers. Uh, we're very creative. We know how to paint. We know how to build. We know how to do set design and costume design and makeup. And uh, yeah, we're not afraid to, throw some fake blood on her face and go scare somebody. So that assumption that women in the horror business are these wimpy little delicate flowers. mm -mm. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one of the greatest screen Queens of all time, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Mm -hmm. she is, you know, she's kind of hollered that from the rooftops, you know, she's like, we're not these damsels in distress that we portray on film. Uh, you know, she's, we are the heroes on and offset, you know, without those films and those, uh, those strong female leads and things of that nature, because I mean, she was like one of the first to like, Hey, I lived through the movie, you know, and I'm kind of the hero. I'm like the one who's like standing up to Mike Myers and, you know, she was awesome, you know, and to be Mm -hmm. able to see that and see her be such an advocate for, you know, females and female empowerment and things of that nature in an industry that a lot of times is kind of skeezy, you know, when you hear about everything that happened with, you know, Harvey Weinstein and all those different things. And those aren't isolated incidents. And it's just like, wow. You know, so it's good to know that the industry is shifting, you know, because I, I I talked to Emily, I'm spacing on her last name right now. Uh, Emily was in an episode for me. She works at American Horplex. Um, She's like, I don't know, five, two, uh, Mm -hmm. 85 pounds and scared me worse than anything else in that haunted house. (laughs) Um, she scaled up a wall and was waiting there and i was like well that's a real person what am i supposed to do like i'm standing here at the end of the hall i'm like nope nope and she she had talked about in our interview that it's she gets to be someone else yeah you know she's like i'm I'm very soft-spoken and you know kind and gentle when i'm outside of this place but when i'm here i'm something completely different Uh, yeah and i think that there is like we all kind of wear two faces. Um, it's just whether or not we have the opportunity to show that other side. And I think that there's um, a really nice benefit. There's probably some sort of a therapeutic portion to that. You know, therapy is a good word for it. Um, we, we, those of us in my little haunt family at our place, we discuss this a lot, how we are, 
we were the nerds in high school. You know, we were the band geeks and the AV geeks and the art students. And being in the haunt business is like a haven for us because it's like all of this creative nerd energy gets together and makes something amazing. And we also talk about, yeah, in our real life, you know, I've got social anxiety. I freak out going to the grocery store. But if I'm in my <laughs> haunt and I'm in a costume, I, the confidence is through the roof and nothing can stop me and nothing can slow me down. And I think that's a universal feeling for everybody in the haunt business is that, yeah, at work and at school, you're this mild mannered, hardworking individual. And then you show up at your haunt and it's like all those barriers come down and you can really just, you know, let creative energy flow and become something different. And Yeah. It's, and Emily Moss was her name. I had to go look it up. It was going to drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Emily was a sweetheart. I couldn't forget her name. That would be rude. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like, and, and I think there's a lot of different ways in which you can do that. Uh, you know, I was in a metal band for years and, you know, now that I'm a teacher and I also am in, I've been in musicals and things of that nature and people are like, you're in a metal band, you know, people just make all these weird assumptions. You know, it's like, you can't be this whole person, you know, yeah. they only see fragments and they're like, oh, I'm going to put you in the box based upon this one fragment that I'm associating with you, you know? Right. And I, I hate to preach, but of course that's the whole brainchild. As I was telling you before we started recording that, you know, this is to lay to rest some of those notions, some of those assumptions mm-hmm. that people make. And uh, I think it's great you saying um, all the different things that, you know, people assume about you and, you know, how that's so not true. And it's beautiful yeah. to always hear those responses. Um, I'm curious, you already hit on something because one of the questions I also like to ask is, how has the industry changed? You already nailed that because you're talking about, you know, it's shifting from male to female. Yeah. I think that that's great. Um, I'm going to ask you a difficult question because a lot of people have a hard time, especially you haven't been in this business for a while. What has been one of the more memorable experiences that you've had? Oh, God. Told you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've had several good scares where, you know, 10, 15 years later, we're still talking about how good it was. And uh, I'm going to narrow it down to just one. One particular year, I was dressed as a gargoyle. Now, I was on stilts. Now, I'm already a big woman. I'm five foot ten. On these stilts, I was about seven, seven and a half foot tall. I'm covered head to toe in fur. I have this horrible face that looks like a gargoyle. It's gray and black. It's got, you know, fangs and ears. Um, I've got big monster gloves on. I also have wings coming out of my back and they're like six foot wide. So I'm, I'm this massive monstrous creature and I'm very good at playing a statue. So I would just back up to a wall, pose and not move, just wait. And this group walks in front of me and the guy in front of the group, skinny little white guy, got his ball cap on sideways. He's kind of got that Mick Jagger chicken walk, you know, overconfident, cocky. <laughs> and he looks up at me and I'm not moving. I, you know, even though I'm, my eyes are fixed in my peripheral vision, I can see what he's doing. And he kind of looks at me and he pokes me in the stomach and he decides I'm not real. And it's that moment when they let their guard down, you can see them relax 
That's when I just dropped my head, looked at him, and just went wild. <laughs> I'm growling and snarling and swinging at him. The boy screams like a girl. He runs down the hallway into a corner, realizes he's trapped, and he's just like this. So here comes my big seven and a half foot ass just, you know, coming after him like this. I get him in the corner. I've got my hands up over the wall, and I'm looking at him, and I'm growling and snarling, and he is just, you know, doing this number. So finally, I thought, okay, I've had my fun. I need to let him go. And I backed up and I stuck out my monster paw and I said, shake my hand. And he looks at me and goes, <laughs> so I did it again. I'm like, shake my hand. And I finally, I said, I'm a girl. Shake my hand. So he reaches up and kind of grabs. I give his hand a good shake and I turn around and walk away. And I just know when he and his buddies, by the way, his buddies are back here laughing their ass off. I know as soon as they all got outside, they probably went, dude, you got scared by a girl. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> so that's, you got to bust his balls. That's story. hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny uh, hearing how, you know, you can of all the things you've done in the industry. It comes back to that scare. Mm-hmm. So you just see where the passion is. You talked about that. And I think it's been pretty consistent. Um, of the people that are actually the workers, uh, the haunt workers, I, I guess, whatever the terminology is. And uh, it comes back to a scare. I, I love yeah. that, that, you know, they've done all this great makeup because, you know, looking at some of your work, uh, flipping through your pictures on Facebook, I was like, damn, this is so <laughs> dope. Um, so I have to ask a special uh, additional question. What is the most memorable piece of makeup that you've created? Because I oh, love what you did. You know, the, during this whole COVID thing, this quarantine thing, I challenged myself to do as many makeups as possible. And I had people giving me ideas. So all those makeups you saw were either ideas I found on the internet or someone would say, hey, do something with fungus or do something, do Lily Munster or do, uh, you know, a jack-o'-lantern or something. So I've been learning as I've been doing this. So each one I do gets a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Um, oh gosh, I think, okay. The one I think that was my best success was the frog because my face completely disappeared. There's, there's no eyes, there's no nose, there's no mouth. There's just a frog face. And all that was, was paint. There's no prosthetics. There's no latex. It was just pure paint. And uh, everyone who looks at that picture is like, okay, I can see the frog, but where is your face? And I have to point out, well, there's my eyelashes. And people will look and like, I still can't see it. So to me, that's a success. When I have come totally camouflaged myself to the point you can't see me anymore, I did good. So I'm happy with that one. So yeah, my frog. <laughs> my frog. That's super rad. Yeah. Um, I think that's one. Of, I don't know if you've dipped into the world of TikTok. Um, that's one of my favorite things on TikTok. There's a lot of people who are uh, doing the minute walkthroughs, mm -hmm. time-lapse walkthroughs of their makeup and stuff like that. And there's so many talented people, the things they're able yeah. to do with just makeup, with just paint mm -hmm. and the things that they're able to create, like the dimensions and like they're able to create uh, contours and these different things that create these three-dimensional illusions to where it does look like they're wearing prosthetics, but it's yeah. all you know, different effects of the, the, the usage of line. And it's just insane. 
I follow a lot of makeup artists on Instagram and Facebook. So I'm watching videos all the time. So every time I see somebody do something really neat, I'm like, ooh, I want to try that. So, you know, I'll do my own take on it. And when I'm doing my makeup, I'm actually doing a live video. And it usually takes me about an hour. So I'm sitting in my bedroom, Peyton, talking to myself. People chime in and ask me questions. And not all of them have been a success. I've had a few that were just kind of meh or just, yeah, I wouldn't call them failures, but they certainly weren't my favorites. But I figure if you're going to see me mess up, go ahead. You know, this is live. So you can watch me screw this up <laughs> or you can watch me do something amazing. And sometimes I amaze myself. I get done. I'm like, wow, this turned out better than I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yeah. And it's such of all the things that drive you crazy uh, about social media. Uh, if you haven't seen a documentary called The Social Dilemma, uh, mm. it's on Netflix. It's talking about um just how much it's ingrained and embedded in us to constantly look at our phone uh, yeah. because they have all these triggers with the likes and everything that it, it triggers those uh, sensors in the brain, the pleasure centers and things of that nature. Uh, and it's good to see that artists are using it in such a great way, especially mm -hmm. during COVID uh, Yeah, because art, I'm telling you what, man, I, I, I've said this before, but there's no way we got through this without it. No, Without good film, without good music, without good mm -hmm. art, I would have been doomed during this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we actually took a couple trips to the art museum. Uh, we took a trip to one here, uh, the Speed Art uh, mm -hmm. in Louisville, and then we also went to the Cincinnati Art Museum, um, which was, I mean, life changing. Yeah. Uh, there was. Oh my god. A space on his name too. I'm pulling the book out. I have to do it. Sure. <laughs> so his name is Hank Willis Thomas. Um, so I bought the book here. Um, mm -hmm. And he did uh, some of the most provocative stuff and most relevant stuff that I've ever seen. Uh, his artwork portrays. Uh, different things uh, involving racism and commentary on race, uh, like this one. I don't know if you can tell well you can see it, but for me. So he's branded the Nike symbol on this guy's chest. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's just demonstrating like how embedded and ingrained in commercialism we are mm -hmm. as a society. And um, he had an entire exhibit that was um, light sensitive lithographs. So when you looked at the picture, you only saw like light images of what it was. You, you could tell it was kind of people or something. Mm -hmm. Then there's a little sign over in the corner that said, use the flash on your phone. Take pictures with flash. <laughs> so you went back to these lithographs and you took a picture with the flash and it revealed the actual image. Oh, cool. Because he said. Uh, there's a little commentary on why he did it. He said that this is how we interact with the world. We're doing it uh, with these devices. Yeah. So he's like, I'm bringing you into the process because this art doesn't become what it's supposed to be without you. Hmm. And I was like, and your smartphone. <laughs> yeah. And it, you're just like, just when you thought nobody's doing anything original. Yeah. Somebody does. And you go, damn, that, well, that was so dope. So when I say yeah. life changing, that's, I mean, it was just amazing. And uh, so art, 
you know, going off on a little spiel there, but art has, mm-hmm. you know, it keeps me sane. I teach humanities. Um, so it's, it, it works for me because I, I, you know, it's believable when they hear the kids mm-hmm. hear me talk about it, they go, Oh shit. Well, he, he means this. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's beautiful. Um, I do have, um, I'm curious. There's a couple questions I want to ask you, which one first, who is someone that inspired you to become completely enthralled in the world of horror or in the world of makeup or in the world of costuming or haunting, or give me the answer for all of them. Wow. It's hard to nail down an inspiration. I've always been creative. Um, I've always loved ever since I was a little kid drawing, making things with my hands, whether it was costumes or sculptures. Uh, I mean, I'm a graphic designer during my day job. So I'm always doing something creative. Oh, gosh. Inspiration. i tell you something that inspired me, though, as far as makeup. And it wasn't actually a famous person. I mean, I, I do like work by Savini and, and Rick Baker and Dick Smith. But the show Face Off that was on Sci-Fi, I loved watching that to see what people would come up with and to see how they sculpted and see how they painted and how did they treat anatomy and how did they treat color and how did they treat texture. I learned a lot just by watching that. I've never done a sculpture as far as like a, a cast of someone's face. I've never done that. I've never sculpted any kind of uh, prosthetics or mold making, but I loved watching them work. And especially when they got down to the painting and there was one episode in one of the early seasons where all they did was just body painting and it was camouflaged to disappear into the backdrop backdrop. And I loved that. I was just floored by some of the results. So that was to me was inspiring was to see what other artists were doing, regardless of their level of skill. You know, some of these guys were just aces and then some of them were just like, go back to the garage and keep practicing <laughs> yeah but that was still inspiring to see how they treated a challenge and what they came up with yeah i think that the creativity that it uh, brought out of everybody in that competition i love that show i watched it uh the first three seasons i watched back to, uh, before i cut the cord mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Uh, I will say this. It's kind of difficult to watch on edibles, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Friends and I learned that the hard way. I put that on and they're like, turn it off. (laughs) Turn it off, bro. I can't turn it off. (laughs) But yeah, some of the things that they did and and just the way they were able to bring things to life was just so fun. And, Mm -hmm. you know, challenges that they didn't know anything about before they came and really pushed people to, to get outside of their comfort zones and stuff like that. I, I loved it. It was a very cool yeah. show. Completely agree. Um, all right. So I would love for you to take some time. Um, I appreciate you sitting down with me. So I always try to give uh, everybody a little bit of time to promote themselves again. Uh, don't be humble. Tell us whatever you got going on, how we can support you. Uh, well, this season, um, my haunt is not actually doing a haunted house. Uh, because of the pandemic, we just didn't have the time or the resources to do what other haunts are doing, where they're having hand sanitizing stations and everyone's wearing masks. So we did something a little different. Normally, our haunt is in the carriage house, which is in the back of the mansion. This year, we bought everything inside the mansion. 
And the Victorians were weird. They are not these stodgy, uptight people you think they were. They did some very bizarre things. They had some unusual, morbid rituals and activities and entertainments. So what we've done is we are presenting the world of the Victorian weird stuff inside the mansion. So if you come through this season, each room is dedicated to a certain activity like post-mortem photography and funerals and seances and magic and disease and freak shows. It, it goes on and on and on. So it's all four floors. And we take you through the whole house, teach you a little something while creeping you out at the same time. So it's educational and entertaining. I, I absolutely love that. I might love that more than the the traditional haunts that we've come accustomed to. That's awesome. Nobody else in town is doing this. So there's groups that do ghost walks where they walk you down the street. They point to a building and tell you a story about it. You yeah. come into our house, we got a story for every room and it's not really a story. It's actual fact. It's just weird. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. So is that all you got going on? I know it's the pandemic, so not a lot's going on outside. Yeah, that's about all we can do, but it's going really, really well. Um, because we have to keep groups very small because of social distancing, we've asked people to make reservations. And every weekend when I come in and check the book, it's like, wow, we're booked up already. And with, even with tours leaving every 15 minutes and we do this for four hours a night, it's, it's going over really well. And people are walking away just absolutely amazed going, no one else in town is doing anything like this. I learned so much tonight. This is really cool. And plus, we got to see the inside of the mansion, which is a gorgeous house to begin with. Yeah. So, yeah. Beauty and the Beast at the same time. <laughs> you just sold me. I'm coming. Uh, I'll be All hopping right, on cool. that. I mean it. I'll get the <laughs> reservation going. That's awesome. Um, I realized that uh, you work. Uh, this is a bad part bad on me as an interviewer. Uh, you work at one of the more haunted, alleged haunted places in this whole area. And I didn't ask you, have you had an experience? I've had one. I've been there for 20 years and I always wanted something to happen in the mansion. I've never had anything happen inside the mansion, but in 2013 on a particular Saturday night, while the haunt was up and running, we had a torrential rainstorm come through. It was so bad, it made national news. And the first time in our history, we had to shut down because the weather was so bad outside. Uh, our waiting area under the tent started to get flooded. The water started to get dangerous, dangerously close to the outlets. And we had to wrap it up. So we closed down and uh, I was still in charge at the time. And my best friend, Gary, was my partner. And we're walking through the house and we're locking doors and shutting off lights, and turning off props and putting everything away. And I'm standing on the second floor and he's coming down from the third floor. And I asked him, I said, how are we doing up there? He says, we're clear. And as he says that, above him and behind him, we hear thump. Thump, 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 thump. It was somebody walking across the floor on the third floor. And I looked at him. I said, buddy, I thought you said we were clear. And he said, we are. So we take off running. He runs upstairs. I run on the second floor and we're looking all over. We were the only two people in that carriage house. 
but we both heard somebody walking overhead behind us and it was loud. So that's my scary story. There's definitely something weird going on in the carriage house. <laughs> so if you ever come through our haunt in the future when this COVID thing is over and something touches you, that may not be an actor. <laughs> what a beautiful piece of promotion. That's a perfect way to end this. That's awesome. I'm glad I forgot and we can end with that. That's great. Perfect. Uh, Holly, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. This has been awesome. Thank you, Andrew. This has been great. I had a lot of fun. Beautiful. The next two guests I had the opportunity to speak with were Lila Toba and Killarney Trainer. Lila is a stage and film actress who is currently living out her dreams in Hollywood. Killarney Trainer is a writer, stage actress, director, and author of six books. Both of these ladies performed in a virtual adaptation of Robert Louis Stevenson's terrifying classic, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and we discussed the unique world of performing live theater during a pandemic. Throughout our conversation, we discussed the ways in which the horror genre can purvey a sense of hope for its audience members. We also delved into the world of the varying folklore and terrifying goings-on in the world, including the figure of the jinn from the Muslim culture. It was a blast talking to these two wonderful gals, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having it. trainer. Um, I am a writer, actress, and director in New Hampshire. Um, I usually work uh, with Narrow Street Films, which is a film company run by my brother. Um, right now, because of COVID, we're not really doing all that much. <laughs> um, but I also write uh, uh, books. Um, I have, I think, six out now. Two of them are horror related that I wrote with my sister. Um, and I play Sister Agatha in uh, Abby Normal's version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, that's my intro. That's all you do? Damn. <laughs> I, was, well, I mean, I'm also a lot damn. of other things, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's I guess that's enough. Damn. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us on to Lila. I'm Lila Toba. I'm an actor living in Los Angeles, California. I play Dolores, a woman who runs a house of ill repute in Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, as rendered by Abby Normal Productions. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'd like to also thank both of you for coming here. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, it's been exciting to see just how many people were uh, willing and uh, excited to take time out of their busy schedules uh, to, you know, sit down and talk to lonely old me. Uh, gives me gives me hope during COVID. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need people to talk to. Uh, as a teacher, I went from having 150 people to talk to every day to my roommate and my wife, and they're like sick of me. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the questions I like to start uh, the podcast with, um, one of the brain children portions of this entire thing is laying to rest some of the assumptions that people make uh, based upon your specific niche. Uh, so if we want to go in the same order, uh, as a lady in the horror industry, what are some of the assumptions that people make about you based upon you being related with that? Um, I, I don't really know, because mostly when I interact you know, with people in my life, they're surprised that I like horror because I'm, I think because I'm generally a happy, bright person, you know, and they just assume people in horror are depressed or living in basements or I don't know what they're assuming, but <laughs> I don't fit that niche. And they're like, why, why do you like horror? And 
um, what I tell them is horror ultimately is one of the most hopeful genres because there's something really terrible happening, but there's usually a solution and people usually, there's usually somebody who survives <laughs> and I always find it very hopeful. So, um, so yeah, I usually surprise people when I tell them I like horror. Yeah. So you, you basically are getting the assumptions like in reverse. Yes, exactly. So like, what? Okay. Why? <laughs> yeah. Um, so now your turn. What, what assumptions do people make about you? Actually, to piggyback off of what Arnie said, it, it is a lot like that because I'm a very cheerful person and I love children and animals. And like, if you go on my Facebook, you see me with my niece and nephews all the time. And really, it, it is just like that. And I saw something somewhere that said, you know, you too can be a flower maiden and a woman of death because Persephone spent half of her life in Hades and then half of her life above ground. And I was like, you know, Persephone's and I, we go way back. <laughs> I really agree with what Arnie said about it being a very hopeful genre. And I just, I find it to be really spicy. I think that like a lot of people are very curious in the occult. And even if we're too afraid to touch like a spirit board or anything, we still like to serve. So it's really fun to like play pretend and get in there and just like live in that magical world where magic does exist. The supernatural does exist and people come back from the dead. And it's just, it is very helpful and it's really exciting. Yeah, I, th I think you hit on something. Uh, the innate curiosity is there because it's something that none of us have a definitive answer for. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I've had conversations with Christians and agnostics, and I myself uh, am an atheist. So it's it's it always blows people away when I tell them, I'm like, dude, I love ghost stories and paranormal and things of that nature. Uh, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, because I don't know. I, I can't say definitively there's no God. I can't tell you that. How could I, you know, I was like, I'm not that arrogant. I'm not gonna be like, of course not. There's not, <laughs> you know? So I think that you saying that it, it's very true because we're all interested in that because we don't know. Uh, and uh, Ouija boards and all those things. It's just so interesting. Cause it's like, what if, I don't know. It's wild. So I'm going to segue into that. I've talked to you guys about this before. I hope there's a cool story in here somewhere. Um, so with it being a, a horror themed episode and it coming out during Halloween, I would love to know if either of you have had an interesting paranormal experience. Um, well, for me, I don't, the only thing that came close to it was I was in, um, this is really weird. I was in George Washington's house. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and we were in a tour and they were explaining how he would always come up the back stair. And all of a sudden I got this feeling that like, I, I almost saw him on the stair. Like it was very, very clear that he was walking up and I was doing this tour with my sister and we left, she turned to me and said, Oh my God, something happened on the stair. Did you feel it? And I was like, yeah, I did. So <laughs> we were like, that was weird. And I mean, it was George Washington. So I don't think he had any you know, he was probably annoyed that we were there, but other than that, I don't think he meant any ill. <laughs> was he singing any songs from Hamilton or like? No, <laughs> no, he was walking upstairs, like kind of like, oh crap, there's people here. <laughs> like, get there's out of my doors house. in this house. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Um, so, what about you? You have anything that uh, you've experienced? Well, I'm Afghani. So first of all, I have a lot of scary stories. Um, 
and I'm a Muslim too. You were talking about being atheist and Catholic, and it's really interesting how we all have so many different like backgrounds, but we all still have this draw to the occult. Um, so for Muslims, the jury is kind of out on spirits because we believe in something called jinn, which are kind of demons that are made of fire, but they're also shapeshifters and they can exist within dimensions and they can take the shape or form of like anything and our own. And so, you know, a lot of the times I think that we believe that if we think we're having an encounter with a ghost, it's really just a gin that's trying to like mess with our head or try to manipulate us into doing something because they have free will like we do. So they could be either good or bad. They could be in your house because they're trying to protect you or they could be in your house because they're just up to some mischief. Um, my dad is always teased that cat were good gin and that they actually protect the house from evil spirits. And like cats are actually very revered in Islam. So, um, but ever since I was a very small child, um, I I have always felt like I've had a really negative, dark presence that's followed me. And it has involved sleep paralysis. And so it's maybe only happened about three to five times, maybe over the course of my life. And the last time it really happened was when we had an earthquake in Louisville. And I don't know if you remember that or not, Andrew, but it was like, I want to say... 13 years ago or so, maybe 13 or 12 years ago. And I had it. And, you know, I thought I was dreaming because I was having the sleep paralysis in the middle of this earthquake and we never have earthquakes in Louisville. So, you know, I mean, just, it's not a common thing like it is here in Los Angeles. So it was really, really strange. That was the very last time it happened. So it was still a very, very long time ago, but a part of me has always felt that it was some kind of evil presence that was trying to like recruit me or something mm. that sounds really dark but I've noticed that like every time that I feel it like I, it's been so long since I have but like people get aggressive and they start fighting each other and like it's just you know like it's just something very malevolent in the air that you can just feel and so you know as a Muslim I always say like my Kalima and I try to say like the Rukyas and like the holy prayers and stuff to keep evil spirits away from me and you know, I spent a lot of my life as an atheist. So it's really just like, you know, the last several years that I've accepted Islam again. And so, you know, I feel like it really has protected me in a lot of ways. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I love that you went down, uh, you went down a different rabbit hole than what I, I've experienced thus far, because it's interesting to see, you know, the different uh, superstitions and the different things. Uh, one of my friends was talking about uh, La Llorona. Uh, because of course he's, he's, uh, from Mexico, like his family's actually from there. So him talking about that story, uh, when he was on the podcast, cause he writes horror shorts, you know, and he's like, uh, he wrote one uh, called the lady of the Creek. And, uh, he's like, I took that from La Llorona and uh, I was like, Oh, okay. So this might be hard. Uh, this might be a difficult question, but what has been the most memorable and or thing that you're most proud of that you've done in the industry? Do you have something, Lilacs? I have to think. <laughs> I've got several. <laughs> that works. Um, I'll, well, I'll start. I did the Evil Dead musical in Louisville, Kentucky, which was really popular, very revered, and it was an honor to be able to do it in its final year at the Alley Theater. Um, I played Linda, and I also got to do the choreography for the show, and we had a splatter zone, so it was really fun. Um, we pushed it to every kind of B-horror movie limit when it came to the grotesque. Um, 
And we just, we had a lot of fun just giving our audience a good time. And we ran for an entire month. And one of the reasons why I'm really proud of that show is because I sprained both of my ankles, like right before we went up. And I talked to my doctor and she was like, so this is the thing. I'm going to put you in a wheelchair and you're not going to do the show. And I was like, wrong answer. What do I do now? And she said, well, wrap them, elevate them and ice them every time you're not on them. Otherwise you're going to die. And so I performed in that show for an entire month, like four shows a week on two sprained ankles that were wrapped and hidden under my socks while I danced and choreographed everything. So I twisted both my ankles before props i don't i would not have done that i saw <laughs> that, that show awful that's amazing that and if I think, you saw the last one that was me i was linda yeah so i guess that's probably wow. how we became friends uh friends of friends because after i went to that show i was in the splatter zone and she's not kidding they pushed it to many a limits it was so fun uh <laughs> i was covered in blood it was amazing uh <laughs> that's incredible knowing that now well i look behind the curtain <laughs> yeah, I'm That's wearing awesome. like tube knee socks and stuff, you know, because I'm just a teenager in the woods and I hid my ankle wraps. And then every time I was off stage, I had them iced and elevated. It was pretty rough, but wow. pulled through. Mad props. All right, top that. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. Actually, I broke my back and did three shows and uh, so suck on that. <laughs> no, I'm actually relatively new to being a part of horror. So my first thing that I did was I wrote this uh, ghost story with my sister. And it was the first time I ever tried to write something that was really, really, you know, horror based. And, um, and I didn't think I could do it. And then I gave the book to my dad who reads like, he's a big, big reader. And he was telling me, I don't understand why you'd want to write a ghost story. What that's just childish. And he came back afterwards and said, okay, that scared me. And I understand why you write them. now." <laughs> I was like, yes. So it's a minor victory, but like, no, that's, yeah. that's why we do it. That's why we're part yeah. of the genre. That's perfect. It's so great. So, I love yeah. that. Um, what has been one of the more surprising things since you've been in the industry? What has been something that's happened to you that you go, damn, I never expected that to happen. <laughs> Maybe it was your dad. Maybe that's twofold. Um, I never expected that to happen, but um, no, I, what I wasn't expecting to be so welcomed by the horror community um it was it was really remarkable how friendly and everybody was just because i write very light compared to what a lot of my now my horror friends write and they're just so welcoming and they they really want to take on every aspect like every different way you can write or celebrate this genre everyone's welcome and you're, you're welcome to bring your take to it and i was i thought that was really different than some of the other fields that i've played in before so that was probably the most surprising thing about uh, the horror world, if you will. It's not a place you'd expect to be welcome. <laughs> it's it, horrible. <laughs> I know I've uh, I've hit on that point several times, but like you go to the conventions and you go to the different things, you go to movie releases and things of that nature, because I, I've been in it since uh, I, I guess I was six um, watching movies that my parents probably shouldn't have let me watch, but I'm okay. Uh, there's only two bodies in the basement. It's uh, <laughs> pretty low key. Uh, no. But uh, everybody is really super friendly. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's because that we consistently challenge ourselves to go face the things 
We stare really scare us. Yeah. It's every week you say to yourself, Oh snap, that movie is terrible. Uh, because it's, I know I'm going to pee a little, uh, (laughs) but we go anyway, you know, and we we face those fears, you know, like arachnophobia. I -hmm. mean, you might not consider that movie horror, but bullshit. I didn't pull a string on a lamp for about two years. Uh, because the spider came down to them like, nope, I didn't eat popcorn. <laughs> like there's a bu- house shoes. I'm like, nope, I've got flip flops. I can see everything that's on that that shoe. You know, so it's like it, it got in my head. You know, I'm like killing every spider. You know, but well, it was like case 39. I didn't realize I had a problem with bees oh. until I watched case 39, and you know, I was Ugh. like, oh, I can't. It's one of the few times I actually had to look away until the scene was done. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a factor. And, you yeah. know, making people a little bit nicer, I think. Yeah, probably. We're all in this together. We don't know who's going to get eaten next. So let's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, Lila, what about you? Um, I totally have to agree. Like something that you don't expect when you start doing horror productions is how much of a family everyone is. And it's like we really do huddle under the shelter of terror. And it's so delightful. Um, You know, as much as I love horror as a genre now and just anything that's spooky, you know, like when I was a little kid, I was scared of everything. And there's even like an adult in me now that's like still scared of the dark. And I'm always surprised when I talk to people in the horror community who are still scared of the dark also. And it's like we will make ourselves terrified and unable to sleep. Like, and we will do the same for the world around us. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, we still sleep with the lights on too. And that's that's one of the surprising things about it. Um, But yeah, it is really shocking to also see how like professional some of like, you know, the B or C even Mm -hmm. movie, like genre, like horror movie genre, like how professional people can be. Um, When I did local films back home in Louisville, one of the things that you'd hear a lot is this would never happen on a professional set. This would never happen on a professional set. And I'm just like, Actually, I can tell you firsthand it does. You know, there are a lot of it takes a long time. The shot takes however long it takes. When I filmed with AP Bio, I filmed for 14 hours straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It takes as long as it takes, you know, based on your contract. And so it really helps to have people who are just professional and like very friendly, you know, and getting along with everyone because it's always kind of up in the air. When it comes to art, everything's always kind of messy sometimes. And you just have to try to do what you can to like get the most out of it. So there's a lot of surprises and especially like moving to Los Angeles and like uh, one of the first people that I met was Craig Hammond and he wrote uh Dollman versus demonic toys, which, you know, is pretty great. And yeah, we're still that. friends now and he is just one of the most delightful people I've ever met, you know, and he was like, you're definitely a scream queen. Don't you doubt it. You know, <laughs> it's like, and he also helped write on reservoir dogs too. You know, he's had a very interesting career as a writer, but you know, a lot of it has to do with just having like a really good attitude and having a lot of fun. And that's, you know, especially for like the B horror movie people that are doing indie film, you know, in smaller sections of the world. Like that's definitely something to keep in mind is that, you know, just to keep that love of what you're doing alive. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting that, that and sometimes you have this, uh, the people that have this off put attitude about horror, you know, that it's lesser than uh, it's not as artistic a genre. Uh, and I find that laughable uh, knowing uh, when you talk about films specifically, because the greats started there, Steven yes. Spielberg, Steven Spielberg started with a film uh, called Duel, 
Uh, and it's about a semi truck and things of that nature. And then you, Peter Jackson, Academy Award winning director, needs to notice a good trend here. He started with Dead Alive and Bad Taste, which are two of the most ridiculous horror movies you've ever seen. And then he went on to do the freaking Lord of the Rings. So it's mm-hmm. like, it, you know, which uh, honestly gave me the most nightmares of any movie. Lord, Lord of the Rings. Of the Rings. Yeah, oh. I actually woke up like kicking one of the orcs off of my bed because I had the dream was that vivid. Like I kicked my blanket across the room because I I was fighting an orc. <laughs> the makeup effects are great. Very good. Film. I mean, it just all three of those films, you just so painstaking uh, into the details and just I mean, it definitely deserved the miniatures of the, oh, uh, you know, um, God, why am I spacing on the the Battle of Helm's Deep and all that different mm-hmm. thing? Uh, just incredible, you know. But all almost all the great directors have delved into horror, you know. Well, it James, makes sense because like art's supposed to make you feel something. Yeah, like, it's supposed to lead you to a feeling, and that's what horror does. It leads you to being terrified if if you're lucky, and then relieved if you're also lucky. So it makes sense. It is artistic. It's probably it's probably the one that people can connect with the easiest. Maybe and I would like to, I would like to retort to that because of how insulted I am by anyone who suggests that Harvard is anything less than art <laughs> is that for a podcast recently, we reviewed a movie called Octoman, which came out in 1971 and it's pretty terrible, but you know, <laughs> um, we like our stinky movies and we do podcasts about them every once in a while. Um, the artist who made Octoman and the suit that Octoman was in, goes his name is rick baker and if you don't know who that is he's the man who did american werewolf in london and anyone who would try to argue that the practical effects in that movie are not art have no taste and no awareness of art if it was standing on top of their chest (laughs) so yeah i absolutely i mean like all the blood spatters every bit of murder every bit of screaming every bit of like fight choreo that we do as we try to escape for our lives is art and anyone who challenges that i feel like is just really out of touch <laughs> yeah you really yeah. just don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah um yeah especially with rick baker uh you know he went on to do the thing uh and we the talked thing. About, and we talked about hope earlier um and it, you might not like it for anybody that's familiar with the thing uh spoiler alert and you know movie's 35 years old or whatever uh no, at the no, end of don't that, tell me. Yeah, right. At the end of that film, you know, I'm going to um, cover my headphones. Right. <laughs> Kurt Russell sitting there and they're the last two uh, sitting there and they basically decide, hey, you know, we're going to kill ourselves, you know, and he it, it's hope. You're talking about hope for the world because they realize that 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 alien creature gets out of that uh, that Arctic environment. You know, if it stays there, it, it'll okay. stay there, you know, and so many things it the popularity of that film is predicated on the fact that Stephen uh, Stephen King is always talking about hope in his books yeah. and friendship and authentic relationships. And I don't care what anybody says that man builds uh, better authentic relationships than maybe any I've ever seen. Um, I've been reading his stuff since I was a kid and that's how boys act as the, as they yeah. did in that film. Uh, and, and it too was incredible bringing, you know, the a list actors into the film after the success of the first one. And it's, it's still hope it's hope and friendship. It's hope and trusting each other. It's hope and camaraderie. It's hope and bringing people back together after years. Uh, and it, 
I think so much of horror is, is built upon that. You talk about the Nightmare on Elm Street films and, you know, the friends come into the dreams to help each other. I mean, it, that that yeah. theme is there throughout horror all the always. You know, I've always seen horror as like if you're if you have the courage to face your biggest fear, you can win. And that's yeah. like what horror consistently says. You have to go after the monster. Then you can win, you know. So I find that hopeful. That's Not that it. I've done much of that, but that's, awesome. <laughs> that's a beautiful. That's scene, an awesome way of putting it. Arnie. I love that. I see why you're a writer. Badass. <laughs> love that. Um, I'm curious to see the answers to this. I know that you're involved in a lot. What would be one of the things that you're into that somebody now that we're doing, you know, associating you with the niche of horror what would be one thing that people might go, what you're into that. Is there one of those? I definitely have one. Okay. Um, well, this is actually related to horror, but I'm really into old time radio shows. I love them. And oh, okay. Someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But that was one of my first tastes of it because I found that the ones I liked the best were the ones that scared me. Mm-hmm. And like, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the names of them, but um, War of the Worlds is a good one. Yeah, War of the Worlds. I remember listening to that and going like, oh, I get it. I get why people were so terrified because this really works. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was amazed at how something that you were only listening to could build such a picture in your head. Now, I love to read, but I didn't know you could do that with just sound. And there are some stories like there was one of uh, the creep there was one about a creature in an oil field that i can still see visualize the ending in my head it was just such a terrifying weird ending um and that made me curious especially because i like to write like can i do that like could i do that to somebody give them like an image that won't go away (laughs) like torment my readers for the rest of time so (laughs) (laughs) so It's so funny uh, for those who are just listening. She's wearing a nun costume while talking about all this. It's absolutely hysterical. I can't wait to scare him forever. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Hold your cross and say that slower. It makes it so much worse. (laughs) Perfect. Lila, what about you? What do you got? Um, What am I into that's strange about me? That somebody might not assume is a horror person. Um, Well, I think that the thing people wouldn't assume about me is that um, I'm not religious because I'm very laid back and I don't cover my head. Um, I'm a Muslim and I've, I'm not like super, super strong Muslim, but you know, I definitely, you know, have faith. I consider myself a believer and I practice a lot of the things about my religion. So when people find out that I'm Muslim, it's like, I get all kinds of interesting response. You know, like some people are like, you know, like they don't know what to think because they don't know a lot about it. And so they just assume that if I'm not the one with my head covered, then, you know, I'm not a Muslim or I'm not a real Muslim or, you know what I mean? So, but I am very religious. I think I kind of explored that a little bit earlier, but a lot of people kind of assume that like you're a witch or a Satan worshiper if you like watching people die in cinema or you like performing it. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually very religious (laughs) and like, yeah, so... (laughs) You know, it's it's funny that people want to talk about that because it's pretensies, huh? It's fake. <laughs> um, but back in the day, people liked that shit for real. You know, a little mm-hmm. thing called the Coliseum. You know, everybody's like, ah, 
I was going to say, like lions gnarling his face yeah. off and chewing on it. You're like, look at that. If you want to read horror stories, check out some of the saints martyred, like the martyred saints. Like there was some really like creepy stuff that happened in those days. So. The Spanish Inquisition, yeah. the Holy Wars. <laughs> we don't uh, talk about that. Right. I mean, <laughs> why are you Don't talking about it <laughs> stop bringing that up jesus christ forget about it you know it's crazy you're just like some of the you know the uh iron maiden uh that's yeah. part of the church the catholic church created that uh you know to interrogate people do you believe in god you're like uh, it's kind of a big deal i mean i don't know yeah. what you're on about <laughs> yeah the salem witch trials scary as fuck you know and, so yeah. It's, it's so funny that they want to look at us as the people that, you know, we're like, this is pretend. Yeah. You know? And like, I've never actually pressed a person to death because I thought he was related to a witch. I mean, I yeah. just want to put it out there. Allegedly. I just like watching Vincent Price. I don't think that's a crime. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, when I would write lyrics, I, I was in a metal band for years and you, I legit had people that that was a real assumption. They're like, uh, are you a Satan worshiper? Like, no. Why is your I'm, cat black? <laughs> right. Like actually my dog is black. Leave me alone. Like but the I lyrics, have a black cat. So right. The lyrics are brutal, you know, and it, it's so funny when you have these like uh these Christian talking heads and which in America that was the main point. I'm not picking on anybody, but those evangelists. The, yeah. yeah, the televangelists Satan is coming in your homes one CD at a time. They're gonna bring down your children. My favorite like, one is if you play something backwards, you're actually doing like a curse. I'm like, how yeah. is that? makes sense i don't want to know <laughs> not in this house in this house we walk with the lord <laughs> right. you're like damn that person's going through a lot of work to worship satan like they got to re-rig their whole turntable yeah words <laughs> like good on them yeah. much work man <laughs> yeah, we need engineers. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so um people uh, people just get silly about things and you know but that's the beauty you sit down and you talk to somebody and you really kind of get to know you go oh yeah. okay I'm into knitting too. That's amazing. I do knit. <laughs> I actually that, used to knit. I will knit you a Freddy Krueger sweater. Oh my God. <laughs> That's nice. just how it is. I mean, I'll pay you. That sounds Heart, amazing. Scream Queens. We're just like you. <laughs> I will say this. I do like collecting creepy, like, like clown dolls. It just freaks my sister. <gasps> okay. Now, you know, this, this interview's over. I'm going to have to go now. Absolutely not. Nope. I think cute, but she's like that. No, really. We all have our, our breaking points. That I'm was scared of clowns. That's another weird thing about. I'm, no. Mm -mm. So I'm always curious about this. Like, did oh you God. have an experience? My niece, she's five. Okay. And she's like, she never had clowns come to her birthday party. Nothing like that. And she, we took her to a spirit Halloween and they had, I forget what they called it. They called it the pathway of, uh, uh, I don't know, something. She got a sucker for walking through it, <laughs> but uh, she wouldn't go in because it was two big clowns. And she's like, mm -mm. but everything else, I'm like, she's a mask, Michael Myers. She's like, meh, meh. But the clown, yeah. she's like, <gasps> I didn't really have anything that's messed up that happened to me, but my mom was like aware of it and asked my doctor when I was like four or five. And she said what I told the doctor was is that I didn't trust anyone that had to paint a smile on their face. That's and I, I have no memory of saying this, but my mom swears this is what I said. And honestly, it wasn't until like some years ago at Harvest Homecoming, it's like this fall festival that they do in New Albany, Indiana. Um, 
Then I was taking a break from work and I was just like walking down the street. And then like I turn around to go back to work and suddenly I am being bombarded by an army of Cozair Shriner clowns. There were at least 30 of them. And I legit like just passed out. Like I just fainted and my friend had to like pick me up and carry me out of the street where they have the festival. It was just a whole thing. I was just like, and so I don't even know if it's just that I'm scared of clowns, but I am scared of like surprise clowns. You know what I mean? Like if I can plan for the clown to be there, it's like, I'm going to know. I can like anthropomorphize it in some way and humanize it and like be prepared for the clown encounter the encounter, whatever, but but surprise clowns, surprise clowns. Like if I turn around and see a clown, it's like, like I cried on the kitchen floor of my house because I tried to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. And this clown came out of nowhere and I never have tried to watch the show since. Never since I went and bought like a bucket of French fries from McDonald's and cried on my kitchen floor about it. I have no idea why I'm not scared of anything, but clowns mess me up. I don't know why. Well, that's so funny that you say that because my sister's the one who's terrified of clowns. There's like nothing happened to her with a clown. But when she was a little kid, if there was a movie, even if the effects were horrible, but somebody's face was changing, like, you know, like the witch from Snow White, like she turns into the old hag. My sister would run screaming out of the room like she couldn't handle it. So I thought, well, maybe so my thought has always been maybe people who don't like clowns is because it is a false face. And it, yeah, and I'm not scared of it. Like, it, the original movie, and you know, the other one's kind of cool too, I guess, but like the original, it, like, I love it. You know, like, like clowns that are intentionally scary don't really bother me that much for some reason. Cause, like I said, I could just, like, I can just humanize it at some point, but like, just out of nowhere. If it's out of nowhere, it's like no, no dice. Maybe it's that, uh, the same thing that, uh, we have an issue with. Uh, artificial intelligence, like the the robots that look like us, mm-hmm. it's that uncanny uncanny valley thing where yeah. it's like it's still too close to like a real person. So it's like, um, maybe it's, it's not quite right. Like some yeah. like our, our eyes can't match what we know. Somehow. Right. So it's just slightly off because it's just you know most of the clowns is just paint over a, a human's mm-hmm. face, uh, and then when you just go too far, it's like easy to go. Well, of course that's fake. You know, right. uh, so maybe it's because eh, the release that my parents always would tell me, you know, when we watched horror films and things of that nature, they'd say, you don't have to fear the things in the film. You have to fear the people out in the world. She's like, they're the real monsters. You know, that's what my mom was that helpful. Or like, I don't know. Like, Does that work at all? I walked briskly to the, the bus. I don't know. Uh, but, I live in know. South LA. <laughs> You're like, Fuck. so you do have to fear the people. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a gate around my house, but Damn you know, it. how dare you? Like, I have to go home after this. This is. Because <laughs> so, there's my friends on Zoom. We're here to keep me safe. Me. <laughs> right. um, yeah, did you have you watched the movie Host? No. Yeah, it's it's all shot on Zoom. So okay. Shutter, you're gonna get a free plug because the film is absolutely amazing. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Cool. All the there's a little uh, interview on YouTube of all the people in the film. Uh, they all had to do their own makeup, their own costumes because they're all in their own house. They did this like at the the first bit of lockdown. Hmm. So they were like, "We're gonna make use of this," and they they did mm-hmm. a great job uh, wow. because they were teaching them how to do the virtual backgrounds. So you can do a recording of yourself and put it in the background. Uh, on your zoom meeting so they were using effects like that to like create different effects and it's so well done it's just it's highly impressive 
Um, so That's check awesome. that out. So just saying, we we can't save you. Sorry, can't breathe hope into that one. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, this was supposed to be fun. <laughs> so uh, the way I like to close these conversations is on a hopefully a positive note. Um, I like asking people what their inspirations are um, as you both as artists. Um, what are some of the things, maybe something to happen in your life, individual um, movie, whatever it may be. What is the inspiration that led you into this particular niche? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, I like the Adams family. Like my introduction to the Adams family, you know, from the older show to the films in the early nineties when I was a kid, uh, they kind of just that along with a little bit of Tim Burton sort of just made me realize another appreciation for the other side of life, which is death. And, you know, I think it makes us, it is a message of hope in a lot of ways because it makes us less fearful of it. And to be able to, you know, joke about it or just enjoy it and just pretend i think it just kind of gives us this understanding that we wouldn't normally have and i I love morticia you know it's kind of like goals you know like to just really not be afraid of anything and almost you know just really be able to embrace the beauty of life and death and be able to enjoy it and as morticia would say we gladly feast on those who would subdue us Gosh, she was so boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't she though? Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> um, so um that's interesting you say that because the the big debate in my house is who is better, the Adams family or the Munsters. And <laughs> mm, it's tough. Um, I love them both, but I probably leaned a little towards the Munsters only because they had Marilyn in their house. I don't know if you guys remember the old show. Oh but, yeah, of course. Yeah. And she was the weird one because she was not weird. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember watching that as a kid and thinking, so weird is only defined by who you happen to be around. It doesn't really mean anything, you know, necessarily, because she was not, she was ordinary. Um, and, but I remember that show as being really kind. And I thought, well, if the monsters can be kind and know what the right thing is, then anyone can. And I like to think when I'm involved in things like this, I'm giving people just a little bit of hope too that, you know, again, if you face your fear, you can come out on the hero at the end of it. Um, but, you know, horror movies have always scared me, but I've always come out on the other side better for them. And I just would kind of like to give that gift back to somebody else. Um, if I can't even, even in a small way, like what we're doing now. So I guess that's my inspiration. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. Like, uh, and you bring up a wonderful point. Yeah. With Marilyn and the monsters, it's, it's all subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my kids, uh, when my students, you know, as a teacher, I get, you know, kids picking on kids and I'm like, well, why is what they do weird when maybe they think what you do, do is weird, you know? Right. And they're really into metal. You're into rap. Maybe they think rap is dumb or you think metal's dumb. And it's, you just got to say, well, that's what they like. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's not good or bad. You know, if it's not something you're into, it's just different. Right. That's right. okay. That's a beautiful point. Um. Well, uh, I'm going to pause this because you're friend. Okay. Well, thank you, ladies. That was perfect. I loved uh, both of the inspirations. I think that's fa- fabulous. Uh, I love the Adams family because it's like this um, sexy death uh, with Morticia. 
uh, in the, uh, the Raw Julia version. Uh, and uh, was it uh, Angelica Houston? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, she hasn't done much in a, in a long time. I think the last thing I remember seeing her in was the Royal Tenenbaums, maybe. Um, but she was amazing in the Adams family. Uh, one of my favorite lines uh, is last night, uh, you were unhinged. You scared me. Do it again. <laughs> it's so great. It's fun. Uh, such a fun movie. Um, well, now is the the time to not be shy. Uh, plug anything that you got going on um, so that people can know where to find you, support you, help you out. Um, because that's another one of the things that I am really enjoy doing uh, is bringing artists to light because I am such a fan and I will support both of you ladies however I can. Thank you. So, well, I guess we should plug our show. Um, it's tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Um, you go to Abby Normal Facebook page, I think, or is it on YouTube, Lila? I can't no, remember. it's on the Facebook live. Okay. Um, we'll be presenting Jekyll and Hyde. And we're both playing very different roles, <laughs> um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a really talented team. This is, I think, the third time I've worked with them, and they're creating a world, a uh, uh, whole world with this horror um, universe that they're creating. So it's really cool. Um, as for myself, you can find me at www.kalarnitrainer.com because um, I have my own site. So <laughs> definitely check it out. Dope. Super cool. Lila? Yeah, I I have a Facebook like page and an Instagram. Uh, I do have lilatoba.com, but I haven't done anything with it. So <laughs> don't look for me there. You won't find me. But <laughs> yeah, uh, basically just what she said. Tomorrow night, Friday, October 16th, we'll be doing uh, Jekyll and Hyde, a very cool gothic literature rendition as done by Abby Normal Productions. And actually, it's one in a series of many performances that will be coming up. So if you like gothic horror and you want to check us out, there's actually other performances on the Abbey Normal Productions Facebook page that you can find of recordings of previous productions. And we're also going to be doing Dracula on October 30th. So I will be playing Mina in that show. So definitely check that out. Uh, yeah. So once again, tomorrow we're doing it at 8 p.m. I believe is it 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern time, mm -hmm. 8 p.m. Eastern time. So if you guys want to check that out, get to know a little bit about our cast and crew. Will, We'd there, love be, to have, yeah. will there be a recording of that that they will release later? If I'm to understand correctly, that's the plan. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. And they um, should all be available on the Abbey Normal Productions Facebook page. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank both of you so much. Uh, I know that you both have uh, rehearsals and things of that nature to get to tonight. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me. It means a lot. Thanks for having us. This was great. <laughs> Finally, our last guest is Tabby Gray. She is a mother, wife, and master of fright, having worked at several local haunted attractions in Louisville, Kentucky for over a decade. In our chat, we discuss the importance of inclusion in the horror and film world. Tabby also shares her favorite memory of scaring the crap out of visitors to her haunted attraction. I think I'm starting to notice a trend here. <laughs> Tabby and I got along like we had known each other for years, and I hope you enjoy it. So my name is Tabby Gray or Tabitha Gray, but most people call me Tabby in uh, this industry. 
Um, I am 13 seasons in to haunting. I have been a manager 12 out of those 13 seasons. I started off at Psychomania Theater of Terror in 2008 in Clarksville, Indiana. And I, after that um, unfortunate fire, uh, when the haunt burned down, I moved to 7th Street with Travis Bowling, the lovely and wonderful Travis Bowling. Um, <laughs> and uh, 7th Street Haunt bloomed and flourished. Uh, and now I am with Louisville Halloween, uh, Legends of Pope Lick, Black Orchard, and um, Danger Run. I'm the assistant general manager of Pope Lick. Um, me and my husband run a production company called Trash Goat Productions, where we write, produce, direct, act, film, shoot, do makeup, <laughs> pretty much the whole nine yards on that. So all that? I heard through that whole spiel was poser. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> it's like, damn, it's like you're trying to stand me up here, or, uh, show me up here, making me look like the horror um <laughs> outsider um well that's amazing uh, you're obviously super involved in all these things and uh as we were talking a little bit before you know um i'm always really curious to hear different perspectives things that i can't necessarily relate to um so i'm very intrigued to hear your response to um what are some of the misconceptions, some of the assumptions people make about you as a lady who is involved in the horror industry and the horror world in general? Sure. Um, as a lady, a woman in the horror industry, most people think, oh, she's a girl. She's, she's prissy, pristine. She can't do anything. She's going to scream at a spider. She's going to cry. No. Most ladies that I know go harder than I'd say 90% of most men. Um, I would, um, and, and, you know, being a plus size lady in horror is also difficult because, you know, that's, that's another reason why that my husband and I wanted to put together a production company is to show that plus size ladies can kick ass in horror, not just these skinny, pretty, blonde brunette females that most producers and casting directors want to cast. We want to give everybody an opportunity. Yeah. I, I, I love the, the notion of, you know, being inclusive. Um, <laughs> that's, that's one thing that it drives me crazy. It's like uh, so many times you don't get to see what you would maybe consider normal people, normal looking people right. uh, in film. And you're like, or you see that that ever annoying uh, sitcom trope where it's like Kevin James uh, with some super hot wife, and you're like, "All right, guys, why why does exactly. it? Can it ever be like a normal looking chick with some super hot dude? You know, <laughs> it's like the girls no. are always getting fucked on the deal. No, <laughs> <laughs> we're know. here for your personality, right? I mean, uh, now I know how my wife feels, but it's fine." <laughs> but yeah, you bring up a good point. It's um, it's good to have that opportunity. And I think as indie becomes more of a thing, uh, we're definitely seeing a lot more um, diving into, you know, seeing people who are more everyday looking people, your girl next door, your boy next door type uh, characters. 
Uh, and I think that everybody's getting a little bit more fair hack at things uh, as the industry is able to expand through the indie realm. So I think that that's, that's cool. I just think it's, it's definitely something to look at is what people aren't looking at. Like um, I went and auditioned, <clears throat> excuse me. I went and auditioned for a, um, a movie I'd say two and a half years ago. And they had what they were looking for up on the wall. So when you walked in, you looked at who you fit the most physique wise, not what you could read or how you read it. It was, you know, this girl is this height and this waist and this width and this hair and this. And it wasn't, this is their personality. And that's what me and, and Mike wanted to do is, you know, give anybody and everybody an opportunity that if you think you can do it, then absolutely come and do it. Show us you can do it and we can do it. Yeah. It's difficult too, because it, that's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, um, I'm a stage actor as well. So I, I understand that directors, um, one of my close friends, um, Ashley Wallace, she's a director, uh, is also a teacher at IUS. Um, she's great. Um, and she's talked about, you know, having a type when somebody walks in. As a director, you have a vision. So I got That's cast true. in one of her shows because she wanted a guy with a beard. And it just so happened I had a beard. She's like, it didn't hurt that you did a good job. I'm not selling, I'm not shitting on you. And I was we like, we just yeah, wanted you for your beard. Yeah, that's fine. I just a beard that walked on stage. Like, <laughs> just, I don't need a face, just a voice uh, and a beard. But so I do, maybe I need to start growing a beard. <laughs> yeah, it'll open up rolls. I'm just telling it, you. Uh, so many doors. <laughs> I'll get on that. Yeah, I just, I'm typecast as a beard. It's fine. But when she, when she told me that, I go, yeah, that's fair too. You know, because it's tough when you when you know what you want in your head as a director, you know, and especially if you work with a costume designer and you kind of already have things worked out. So it's tough, you know, but I'd certainly see that it, it's beneficial to be open to seeing what people can different people can bring to the table, because I've also seen uh, where people have been cast because they're pretty. Uh, mm -hmm. and they couldn't act their way out of a wet paper bag. Uh, you're like, dude, like, really? Like, she's real cute and everything, but damn, she's trash. Like, <laughs> there's just nothing good about what she's doing. So many so, times. Or he, you know, it, it happens a lot. But They are them. <laughs> so um, I am curious. I know that you said you've been in the business 13 years, right? 13 seasons. There's 13 a difference se between seasons and years. Okay. You add one season to the year. Okay. Is it right? It, it's a whole different timetable. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. See, I learn, I learn stuff every week. That's awesome. There you go. So a hot minute. We'll say a hot minute. You've been in the there. Business. You go. Um, so I, this might be tough, but I'm curious to know, like, what is one of the more memorable uh, experiences that you've had in oh. the business? Ah, that's a good question. Gosh. Ah. Um, one of the most memorable would. Okay. So my, let me throw out a couple so you can pick and choose <laughs> which one you think is the best. So one of them is my first year was absolutely insane. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. We had these massive strobe lights in this huge room that I was in and I was the only actor in this room, huge room. Um, and 
I was going on break and I flipped around this corner, which was a long hallway and just screamed at the top of my lungs because I was mad. I had to pee. I wanted to smoke. I, I was hungry and I screamed bloody murder. And it was this huge dude and his tiny little girlfriend. He threw her at me and ran right past me <laughs> and was screaming like, and, and I don't know. I was just there, just like, ah, and he ran past. Um, let's see, when was another good one? Um, Black Orchard, when I um, uh, went to Black Orchard in 2018, pouring rain, and oh my gosh, this this group of like, seven seven or eight somehow ended up together there should only be like six total and i started the chainsaw and i was hiding and they didn't know i was coming and usually whenever i'm running chainsaw they're like oh there's a chainsaw dude oh there's a chainsaw dude and that fuels my fire even more that it's like i'm wearing a dress and i i i, I don't have can i say the word am i good to say it on this i mean i think i've said fuck seven times oh it's well seven. fuck okay <laughs> a penis <laughs> so as they come around the corner i scream at them i don't have a fucking penis and i just rev that saw and i chase them up the hill well one person lost their shoe as soon as they exited my area and kept running another chick <laughs> was it fell a nice shoe? And... no oh, i think God. it was one of those little cheap walmart converse damn knockoffs. you might have got a pair of jays out of the deal or something right at least one of them <laughs> i would have had it as a trophy right um and then i chased one chick up the hill and she slipped and fell in this huge puddle of mud and just like completely got soaked uh, the rest of them just kept on running way past their car just kept on going i'll never forget that night because it was so rainy and so cold i wanted to give up but I didn't because it was scares like that. That was absolutely excellent. Yeah. I always wondered uh, how you, how are you able to keep from straining your voice uh, by yelling at people and things of that nature? Was that, was that a learning curve? Did you, did you thrash your shit as when, you know, when you first started and then it got better? <laughs> well, i was actually a metal vocalist in a uh, metal band before actually a couple metal bands before I um, started into the haunt industry. So that kind of had some leverage in helping. Um, but it was trial and error within the first two or three seasons um, getting into it. You just have to find what works for you. Like some people can inhale scream like, <gasps> Like, I can't do that. Like, I want to die right now because I just did that. Yes. Yeah. It hurts. But, you know, you, you just have to find what makes it work. Um, it, it's chest voice into throat, into head. And it's, but yeah, the vocals totally, you have to get those. You got to find those, those vocals. You got to find it yourself of what works for you. Um, you know, my first season, I blew my voice out so bad. Just because I was physically just like, ah, screaming. I wasn't yeah. working with my vocal cords. And one thing that helped me the most and is is either doing metal singing or operatic singing or singing in general. 
of just stretching those vocal cords out and warming them up before you go in and start screaming at people. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, is timing Uh, (laughs) for me. Like um, I've been going to haunted houses uh, since I talked with Travis bowling, as you mentioned earlier, Um, you guys being friends, uh, one of my previous episodes that, uh, you know, I've been going since I was young and things of that nature. And I've been to haunts all over, uh, this area, we've been to Cincinnati and went to the Dent Schoolhouse. Uh, we Dent. went to St. Lu- it's so dope. Uh, we've been to St. Louis and been to several of theirs. They got some great haunts there as, as well. Uh, there's the Slaughterhouse in Nashville, which is great. Uh, and then we've been to um, Halloween Horror Nights twice in Universal, which is just on a whole nother level. Um, I applaud them because it's it's literally line actors. Like you, you have to be able to ad lib and, and just, there's no breaks. There's no, hold on. I got to reset. It's (laughs) full on constant. Yep. Yeah. We had a guy, we were, we went there. One of the funnier things that happened to us. Um, My buddy was in a wheelchair and we were making our way through the, uh, the back part of the park and out of nowhere, there was a guy who legit had no legs who was in a wheelchair and, uh, the guy comes pushing him from behind and he's like, already got him. You're next. And just so quick, just so quick, you know, to, to see the guy in a wheelchair and capitalize and have that line and just boom, do that. That's the best stuff. My wife was uh, the previous year. They had the walking dead all through the, uh, the park and they had these people that were running these groups that were uh, rounding up the zombies and, this uh, this young lady was part of one of those groups, and my wife is just staring at him, uh, doing their thing. And she turns really quickly and looks at my wife. She's like, "What are you staring at with them pretty eyes? I'm gonna carve them out with a spoon." You keep staring at me, girl. And I was Ooh. like, my wife was like, "Oh," <laughs> she's like, "I got goosebumps," <laughs> and just so quick. I don't know if that scared me or turned me on. Like, <laughs> right? And he was like, "Oh," <laughs> but. Just the uh, that that level of commitment and, you know, those people that they have there uh, and the Hollywood level of lighting and effects and just to do it for eight haunted houses or better um, is just crazy. Like the level that they're able to do it, you understand why it's one of the top uh, places every year uh, as far as destinations for people that are into haunted attractions. Uh, I'm giving them a free promo. I feel bad. Uh, but I don't. <laughs> you get one. Yeah, they deserve it. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it is interesting. And I was always curious about that. I'm like, how do they do this? You know, and, you know, as a teacher, as an actor, as a metal singer, you know, I'm like, I understand all of the different things and, you know, how it uh, can take its toll on your voice. So absolutely. Well, a, another big thing is too with that is that it's the dedication and love. Yeah. Friday night, you're going to blow your voice out. You suck it up, buttercup, find out what works, do it again on Saturday night. You have Sunday through Thursday to recover. But it's it's the fact of, you know, if you want to do this, you got to understand you're going to blow your voice out or at least hurt it a little bit. It's it's the love and the passion for it that, that yeah. causes that drive. For sure. So I'm curious what brought you to this <laughs> world. Is this something you grew up with? Is this like... Um, <laughs> Oh, how, how did you how did you how did you get here 
<laughs> You're bringing out the inside. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, you guys growing can't up- see this, but she's holding a severed head. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, no. Um, I grew up in a religious family. Uh, my parents super religious. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't bless me. Don't bless me. <laughs> and uh, I was I was the, the music minister's daughter. I was the intern preacher's daughter. So it was I had a part in every play and every acting thing that they had, every choral performance that they had. I had a part. And my love for Halloween started with my great aunt. And when she passed away, we got all of her Halloween stuff. So we would decorate the front yard and put strobe lights and spider webs and orange lights and chase kids around with like weed eaters and, and noisemakers when they come up to get candy. And then a friend of mine that I went to school with, um, she was like, Hey, I know you love Halloween and you love spooky stuff and gory stuff and blood and guts. Why don't you come and audition? And I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what I need to prepare for. So I just showed up one cold March. I think it was March. Yeah, it was early March in 2008. It was like, hey, so I was told to come here and audition. And the owner, Phil Granger, was like, yeah, what you got? I was like, um, I don't know. I acted in church for plays and stuff. And I like Halloween. He's like, have you ever done makeup before? I said, oh, a, a little bit, not a whole lot. He's like, awesome. So you're going to be a makeup artist and you're going to be an actor and we'll get you a spot. Okay. He's like, show up on this day and we'll get you going. There it was. <laughs> and the rest was history. And the rest is history. <laughs> That's so funny that uh, that might be something else that uh, maybe I would assume people think about you. Oh, you don't, you don't worship Satan. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't say. I was religious. Mm, mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Satan. Uh, I mean, we, we, we talk every now and again, you know, throw mm. out that Ouija board and uh, <laughs> we talk. offer a, we, we, we are. Yeah. We talk maybe once a month. <laughs> That's fair enough. Right. Um, Share coffee, a beer, <laughs> a bourbon. So is there, so going back before that, mm -hmm. is there an inspiration into the genre in general? You know, I know that you you discussed where how you um, got into this, but is there something that goes back inspiring you, like as far as like the first scary movie that you saw, the first person who introduced <laughs> you to these things? How did you get into horror? Uh, actually, there's three of them. Three of them kind of in in a line. Like I said, my great aunt that we got all of our Halloween decorations from once she passed away, she would sit dressed up in this awful witch costume on her front porch and play this horrible cheesy like 50s 60s spooky music that you would hear from that era and she would like like i said she would like cloak herself as like a fake witch and they'd come up to get candy and she'd like go and scare the kids and we would sit there and watch her do this to these little children and scar them and i said i want to be that little old lady one day i want to be sitting on my front porch and i want to scare the shit out of little shits that come on my front porch <laughs> tp this you bitch 
<laughs> then the second one was I remember when I was probably nine, nine or ten. Um, actually, before that, I was seven, and my cousins were watching Pet Cemetery. That scared shit out of me. Like when church come back, I was like, nope, fuck this shit, I'm out, and I, I ran away. <laughs> And then a couple of years later, my dad was watching Interview with Vampire with a friend of his, like they were having a dude's night. And he was like, kids, go to bed. So I snuck behind the couch and he went out, I think, to go get some beers or something. I'm not sure what it was, but I snuck behind the couch and I was watching um, inter- Interview with the Vamp. No, Dracula, Dracula mm-hmm. with Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder. So I'm sitting there watching it. And my dad's friend looks over and he's like my big brother anyway. And he looks at me and he goes. Do not tell your dad I let you watch this. If you have nightmares, I will beat you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I had nightmares, but I didn't I didn't admit to it. Um and then in 2000 when did H2O? H2O came out in 1998. So me and my brother had never watched a horror movie after that interview with the vampire in 1998. I'm not going to tell you my age. <laughs> Um, but we were young ish, ish teenagers. And, uh, we were watching Halloween H2O. My dad paused it halfway through and said, let's go to a haunted forest. They've never been to a haunted house, honey. Let's take them to a haunted house. So we got the car and went to a haunted forest. I can't remember the name of it. Cause it's been gosh, so long ago. And, uh, as we walked through the haunted house, I reached behind me to grab for my dad and I'm like, Hey dad, hold my hand. So I thought dad was holding my hand through the entire haunt. We get to the end and I look back and it's fucking Michael Myers. (laughs) (laughs) After watching H2O, pausing it halfway through and he's holding my fucking hand. I screamed and ran away and like pissed myself. And and it, it was, that's where it was like, oh my God, I need to be a part of this. The adrenaline rush just doing this is amazing. That's a fun. (laughs) <laughs> That's a phenomenal story. You just openly admitted. You know this is going to go out for people to hear. You said you wet yourself, but you know. Oh no, fine. they know. They know. <laughs> I, I before I started running chainsaws, I used to be terrified of them. And like anytime we go to a haunted house and there'd be like chainsaws coming out um, and chasing people out, I, I I would run and drop to the ground and piss myself. <laughs> I really would. That's insane. And, <laughs> and now I'm one of the best chainsaw runners. Ever. Well, it's probably because you understand what scares you. Mm-hmm. So, or what that scared helps. you, rather. So, I think That's a lot of times that. we're able to channel that and then kind of not only um, overcome those things, but also use it in how, you know, make it more effective. Yeah. It's fantastic. We take our nightmare. Let me, let me just bring it right back out. We take our nightmares and bring them to life. Or depending on the listener, that voice might be scarier than anything we've talked about. Pretty sure. Where am I? All I need is a banjo cue and I'm out of here. Like oh, you, you ain't welcome I'm- around here. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know, you know, you mm-hmm. being now that you've you've branded yourself a scary chainsaw lady. What is something actually my name is Chainsaw Betty. Oh, Chainsaw Betty. I like that. I have a tattoo to prove it, too. Do you really? I do. Funny. That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know something that might shock the crap out of people now that you've shared that. Something else that you do in your life 
that is maybe really ordinary or something that might really surprise people? Um, people that know me know that I am a singer. Um, I have a four, four and a half octave vocal range. I sing opera while I'm putting makeup on my cast. <laughs> and uh, Phantom of the Opera is one of my favorites. Oh, do I, I feel a duet coming on here? That's one of my jams, too. <laughs> yeah, sing. So classically trained singer in high school. Yeah, I, that's you. Really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. I went to all state, all state choir uh, a couple times. I uh, was invited to Moorhead and Murray and a couple different things, baritone. Actually, yeah. there is, I've, I'm, I was actually homeschooled my entire life. So I never really got to experience all of that. You wouldn't know that I was homeschooled. That's what people are like, oh my gosh, you were homeschooled. But yeah. um, it was uh, pretty much um, just listening to the songs and listening to the tapes and, and mimicking what they did is where I learned how to sing like that. And my dad going, sing higher. You can sing higher. Hit that note higher. Is he in behind the wall with half of his face showing just to be in That's, character? Yeah. Sing for me, my angel. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly my dad. <laughs> That's fun. That's hilarious. Well, I love that. Um, is there anything that you would like to promote? Uh, it sounds like you got a lot going on. So feel free to take Ooh. this last couple minutes to go ahead sure. and let people know wow, where to come support you, how to support you, so on and so forth. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so as I don't know if you know or not, but Louisville Halloween is holding the ultimate Halloween event, which is like a huge Halloween party with two movies uh, on this huge blow up screen, kind of like a drive-in style. You have your socially distanced circles to where you and your family and friends, you know, that you've associated with COVID wise, quote unquote, um, can hang out in. Um, we have pumpkin carvings where you can purchase a pumpkin and carve it. Uh, Steve O'Shepard is doing face paintings on masks, not faces exactly. So you can get your own cool little mask. Uh, we have concessions. We have a menu for concessions. We have two scare zones, kind of like they do at Universal Studios. Um, we have a couple actors from Black Orchard, a couple actors from Public to uh, thrill you and chill you. Um, so that's going on until let's see this weekend and next weekend. And then we have the Halloween in the gardens, which is a even bigger Halloween party. We have bands, we have movies, we have food, we have drinks. Uh, both of these are family friendly where you can bring your kids dress up in costume. We really encourage dressing up in costume. Um, then of course there's danger run, which is uh, the clue book that you can get in your car. If you're a little unsure about going to a haunted attraction, um, super cool this year where you end up in like historical spots with like spooky QR codes where you like scan it and it pops up this video and you get like a little history about that spooky area. Um, again, all from the safety of your car. Uh, also trash goat productions, which is mine and my husband and our friend Blake's production company. We have one full length movie out on YouTube. Um, we've got a couple shorts. We're going to be working on a couple more shorts. Um, if you're interested in auditioning or even coming to work on these shorts, we would love to have anybody and everybody who would like to come. Uh, we've got two feature films we're trying to work on, um, full length, I should say, a horror movie 
films. Um, so that's definitely going to be one for the books too. Super, super dope. I love that. Uh, <laughs> and Tabby chainsaw. You should come Betty. and guest star. Do what? You should come and guest star in a, in a movie. Just let me like lop your head off or something. Since I do makeup <laughs> too. Special uh, effects makeup. Just lop your head off. I'm down. It's, it's going to happen. Yes. How dare you? Yes. Don't invite me. It's coming. I will invite <laughs> you and I will provide you with whatever beverage you would like just to uh, pay you back for coming and letting me chop your head off. Super dope. And I'll bring a good bourbon. I'm a, bourbon oh, I love a good bourbon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tabby, thank yeah. you for your time. Um, I can't wait for people to check out uh, everything that Chainsaw Betty here has going on. Um, I got a lot. I got a yeah. lot. I stay a busy beaver. <laughs> <laughs> right on so you are now a official what the nitcher so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me no thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on this beautiful thank you